Right. Um, could I ask the famous Grace Matthews to come forward and everyone else to clap appropriately? Um, you may or may not know that at the Vineyard, we support eight uh, missionaries, some here, local, some national, some international. Grace is one of those missionaries that we've been supporting for a while, traveled various places around the globe, including Hawaii, suffering for Jesus, just a joke, <laughs> including Hawaii, San Francisco, and um, she's going to be heading out soon, so we asked her to take a few minutes and give a, an update to us about what she's doing and how we can pray for her. So you get to stand right here front and center, so all will know. Uh, it's so awesome to speak to you guys this morning. Um, it's so great. Yeah, I'm Grace. Um, a lot of you probably recognize me. Um, I've been at this church most of my life. Started coming when I was three. Um, you can see my family here. They just, um, my immediate family just got back from three years of being missionaries in Mexico. Uh, yeah, they're awesome. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I am really blessed to be um, a missionary with Youth of a Mission, um, or YWAM. Um, if you don't know about YWAM, it's a really beautiful part of the body of Christ. It's in um, every country in the world, actually. Um, and their basic building block school um, takes a lot of kids, usually like right out of high school, young people, um, and spends three months of teaching them about God um, and building those spiritual muscles, and then three months of outreach somewhere else in the world. So it's taking the gospel to every corner of the earth, um, while at the same time creating this strong spiritual foundation um, for these kids. So it's a beautiful ministry. Um, I did my DTS back in 2019, and so last year um, I returned to YWAM, and I came to staff, and the plan was, originally, there's about 70 of us that were going to be a part of this fire and fragrance ministry at the, the main base in Hawaii, um, and they didn't have any housing for us, as it turned out, so we were just kind of chilling, figuring it out. Well, God has something, um, and at the same time, in East Palo Alto, California, this um, wonderful Hong Kongese couple um, met with Francis Chan. Um, and they were like, we own all these apartment buildings in East Palo Alto, and we just want to fill them with young missionaries who will tell, like, the whole community about Jesus. And Francis is like, oh, well, maybe, like, next year we can start doing something. And the wife was like, no, we want an army now. And Francis said, well, an army of young missionaries isn't just going to fall out of the sky. Uh, and then we did. And... <laughs> Uh, two weeks before we were supposed to be in Hawaii, we all changed our tickets, and we went to um, the San Francisco area for three months, and it was incredible. Um, the least church city in America is San Francisco. Um, and we got to be under incredible leaders, have different speakers every week. We got to be a part of Francis Chan's network of house churches. We got to learn about um, house churches and how to start those in other countries and what that looks like practically. We got to be out in the community evangelizing almost every single day. We would just go out, do door-to-door, -door, street evangelism, like for hours. Um, we saw a lot of salvations. We planted a lot of seeds. Um, and the day we left San Francisco, um, I remember taking a walk with my roommate around the block, and I bumped into seven people 
um, that I knew by name, seven of my neighbors, and I was like, oh, I love this place. I love these people. Uh, the crossing guard of our street started crying when she found out she, we were leaving. But So we really got to be there, be in the community, learn a lot. Um, and then I did three more months of like a practical internship in Hawaii. Um, and then I've been here since then, like April. Um, and I get to go back on Thursday. And this time, yeah, I will be in Hawaii doing the same thing we did in San Francisco. Um, it's our leadership track. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I'm excited to take what we learned serving in that community um, and put it into practice in Hawaii. Um, and um, then in January, um, I'm hoping to staff a DTS um, until June. So that would be three months of facilitating, discipleship, um, being on base in Hawaii, and then three months of leading a small team to a different country. Um, so yeah, that's a lot of my story. It's been such a blessing to be back here these past several months, to be in this community, to be in the, the young adults group, and to worship with all of you. Um, but yeah, I'm, uh, I love YWAM and what I get to do, and I thank you all for supporting me and encouraging me and being a wonderful home church. So thank you for letting me share today. That's great. You can stay up here. We're going we're gonna to pray for you. All right. Let's uh, stand. We want to pray for grace. Who wants to be a YWAMer? Woo! Um, anyone uh, connected to Grace or staff, elders, you want to come on up, just lay your hands on her. Everyone else, you want to reach out your hands, we'll pray. Well, God, we, your people, Grace's family, brothers and sisters here, um, we thank you for her. We commission her now in the name of Jesus we ask, Holy Spirit, that you come and fill her again afresh. I just thank you, Lord, for the lightness and the peace, the joy and the confident trust that, uh, that uh, emanates from grace. And we ask, Lord, that you would send her from this place with all of the gifts, giftings, empowerings, and graces, that you would send her with them, that you would provide for her, that you would bless her, body, soul, and spirit in her service to you. We ask for uh, the team that, that will coalesce to be um, in unity. And we ask for the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy to be present in all that they do. We bless her, God, with your presence and in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. If any of you want to gather around Grace and pray some more, Afterwards, that's you're welcome to do that. Is it okay? Extra phones floating around. All right. Well, now that you've sat down, why don't you stand up? Um, see if you can find someone you haven't met before and um, introduce yourself. All right, well done. 
chattier people over here than over here. Extrovert side, introvert side. Did you really say go introverts? <laughs> Leave it to Tanya Wingfield to make it into a competition. <laughs> That's great. Okay. All right. Um, I'm going to read to us this morning from Psalm 133 and 134. This is the last two of the Songs of Ascents as we finish our, our series uh, in those, that grouping of psalms. So you just want to hear with the, the ears of your heart as I read the Word of God this morning from Psalm 133 and 134. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life evermore. Psalm 134. Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who is the maker of heaven and earth. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for singing this song to us this morning and through us. We ask for all the revelation that you want to give to us this morning. You would anoint um, me and my words, anoint our ears and our hearts, our very souls and spirits to hear what it is that you want to say so that we can walk in unity and live out our lives of worship. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, we're uh, coming to the end, like I said, of this uh, series. So if you can imagine, I don't know that this all happened chronologically, but I like to think of it in that way. If you can imagine the people of God on their way to uh, one of the festivals to worship in Jerusalem and here they are singing or chanting or listening to these songs, Psalm uh, 133 and 134. It's interesting, this was unplanned by man, but certainly known by God. Today actually is the beginning of one of the feasts of Israel. Today's the first day of Rosh Hashanah. And um, though we did not plan that, um, God knew that this would be a day as we would end this series, we would be remembering the, the Jewish New Year, um, 10 days before the Day of Atonement. We're preparing the people of God for that time when the Jews would remember that um, there would be a clean slate given, that um, blood would be poured out, that a sacrifice would be made, that there would be a mediator between man and God, and that man and God would come together in union. Uh, we get to celebrate that every day of our lives as believers because of the cross. But this day marks in the Jewish calendar the beginning of Rosh Hashanah, a few days of celebrating the new year. I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. Psalm 133 describes the beauty of unity in the people of God. So sacred, so holy, so desired by God that wherever he sees unity, he commands blessing. That's what the scripture says. Wherever he sees unity, he commands blessing. 
And Psalm 134, the ultimate call to worship, the culmination of the journey, like what it's all about. Their pilgrimage from wherever they were, were, were living to Jerusalem to worship. Our pilgrimage, our, our lifelong pilgrimage that culminates in our primary focus of living. We're made to be worshipers. We're made to give, to give uh, glory and honor to God. And it just so happens that in Psalm 134, as you've probably experienced in this, this in worship, we don't worship God so that he will bless us. But when we worship God, he blesses us. It's just, it's like giving. We don't give so that he will give to us. But when we give, he gives back more. It's a, it's, there's spiritual principles in the kingdom. And so um, as we bless God through our worship, God blesses us and commands that blessing upon us. Psalm 133.1, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. So imagine these pilgrims, they're on the journey to worship from all sorts of different walks of life, different regions, different tribes. Though they were one people, they were many peoples, right? In the same way that we as, you know, we're all believers and so we're one, right? But there's not a one of us like the other. Praise God. How horrible it would be if you were all like me. Just a joke. I take it back. So all of these people coming together with one common purpose to worship, focusing less on the differences that they have with one another, less on the, the places from which they come, and much more on the common purpose, the unified intent to be in the presence of God. I'm not saying they didn't bicker along the way, say, my tribe's better than your tribe. I don't know. Maybe they did that. But the, the purpose of their pilgrimage was to be together in the presence of God. So this picture of unity, that everyone was going to one place to worship one God with one purpose, that, that's the picture of unity that the psalmist says, isn't that good and isn't that pleasant? Much less about where they'd come from and much more about their common destiny and purpose, to be in God's holy presence. They're united together. They're focused on one goal, and it's good. How good? So you, you see the stuff about Aaron's beard and the dew of Mount Hermon. In my notes, I just put greasy beards and Mountain Dew. That's a good name for a book, isn't it? On unity, greasy beards and Mountain Dew. So what's that all about? Probably good to explain that. The oil on Aaron's beard, if you remember, Aaron was the brother of Moses, also called the Mobro. Just made that one up. Aaron was the brother of Moses, and Aaron was called to the priesthood. He was the one anointed by God to be the mediator, to, to conduct the services of God so people could access the holy presence. So Aaron was a high priest, and he had a big beard. And this oil that's spoken of in the scriptures, like the, like the oil on Aaron's beard, that oil um, was only used for a very particular purpose. If you look in Leviticus somewhere, there's actually a recipe for the oil in the Bible. It says exactly how to make this oil. And after it, after it describes how to make the oil, it then says, it cannot be used for any purpose but to anoint the tent of meeting where Moses and the people of God gathered and had interactions with God and the, priest, the priests themselves. So when the psalmist says how good and pleasant 
is it when God's people dwell together in unity, like the oil that comes down Aaron's beard? It's sacred. It's holy. It's set apart. It, uh, this is not, we're not talking about canola oil here or Wesson or even your fancy olive oils. This is one recipe um, mandated by God to use to anoint the place where God meets people and the people who do that mediation. Now, the beauty of it, if you remember from last week, is we are all priests of God. Exodus 19, the, the prophecy of Moses said, you will become a kingdom of priests. 1 Peter 2, it's announced, we are a holy nation, a, a kingdom of priests, uh, Revelation 1.6, to worship and praise God our Father. That's who we are. We're all priests. So the, the beauty of unity is this blessing of God when we look to Jesus with one purpose, not distracted by differences. I'm not saying ignoring differences. I'm just saying not distracted by differences. Celebrating even differences, but looking at Jesus. That, that's what brings unity. And it's good and it's pleasant and it's beautiful. Like the very oil that signified the presence and the power of God. When you join together in unity with someone, when you set aside differences, when you forgive, when you let go of judgments or whatever, it, it is as if you are experiencing that holy oil, that blessing of God's presence, that anointing of his love, that empowerment of God's very presence in and through your life. You know, if you remember John 17, Jesus is, you know, just he's moving through his last sermon and he's in what we call the high priestly prayer. And Jesus says, oh God, I'm paraphrasing, oh God, that they would be one, like we're one. Oh God, that these people of, of ours would be so unified, so joined together in unity, so attached by love and commitment. Just like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are attached by love and commitment. That's the kind of oneness Jesus wants for us. And it's so powerful that Jesus said, here's how they will know, they, the big they, the out there they, the unbeliever they's, will know that the Father has sent the Son, how? When he sees unity and love in the body of Christ. When they see unity and love in the body of Christ, you know what they think? That's miraculous. There must be a God. When we see unity in the body of Christ, because we've lived as humans for a while, don't we think that's miraculous? So this unity is beautiful, like the, like the oil, the special oil, the, the sacrimonial, the sacrimonial, sanctimonious, no. <laughs> the special oil, <laughs> ceremonial. <laughs> It's the, actually the technical term is sacerdotal. It's absolutely, I'm just, I admit it, that's the, that's the word that was going through my head. And I couldn't get it. Sacerdotal. It just means a priestly oil. Oh, I don't have it in there. Can you read it right here? I'll put it in the notes. All right. Where was I? Unity. So, like the oil that comes down Aaron's beard, all the way down, you know, uh, uh, beautiful gobs of oil. Also, like the dew of Mount Hermon that comes down and touches Mount Zion. 
Mount Hermon in Israel is a high mountain, about 10,000 feet. And on the top of Mount Hermon, there's so much precipitation for a place like Israel. There's, uh, there's rain and there's fog and mist and there's snow and there's dew. And the dew of Mount Hermon was so heavy at times that it would run down Mount Hermon and uh, invigorate the vegetation underneath. You know, it's like you don't have to water your, your lawn. It's just the dew of heaven coming down to bring lushness. More important to the vegetation of people eating than to our suburban or urban lawns, right? But what the psalmist is saying is this unity is so beautiful. It's just like the way God waters the earth to bring food for people to live and flourish. It's just like that. It's that miraculous unity. It's that beautiful unity. It's that supernatural unity. It's that life-giving, just like that dew that would come down on Mount Hermon and touch where? Mount Zion the place we talked about last week, signifying the place where God's people gather in God's presence. Unity brings refreshment to the body of Christ corporately and individually because God ordains that blessing. Unity is like heaven-sent irrigation for the fields of God's people. He just loves to pour out his water on thirsty people when they come together setting aside differences, celebrating differences, and focusing on the king. So what's God's response to unity? The scripture says the Lord bestows his blessing in that place. Where God sees unity, God bestows blessing. Bestow is, I mean, I'm not a translator, but it's an odd word. We don't use that one a lot. The word bestow just means to command to charge, to give orders, to appoint, or to ordain divinely. In other words, when God sees unity, us putting things aside and focusing on the one, loving one another as Christ, God and Christ loved us, when God sees that, he says, okay, here's a new rule, blessing right there. Those people are loving each other. I want blessing to happen there. I ordain it divinely. I bestow it like a gift. I command it. I want to be on the other side of God's commanded blessing. I mean, I, we could talk a lot about what blessing is. I just know I want to be there, right? Would anyone like to be blessed by God? I'll take that right here. We don't earn it by unity, but we enjoy it through unity. We don't earn the blessing of God through unity, but we enjoy it together in unity. And this is the word blessing. God commands, God ordains, God appoints blessing where he sees unity. Benediction, righteousness, favor, all synonyms for blessing. Gift from God, a present, a treaty of peace, even praise of God. There's something about when God uh, sees unity, ordains blessing, it actually helps us to worship. Have, have you ever realized how hard it is to worship when you come into church fighting with your spouse? We did that once. It's a joke. <laughs> You're looking at me like I'm serious. I'm having fun. 
You know how hard it is to worship when you are holding something against another person. You know how hard it is to worship when you're holding something against yourself. You know how hard it is to worship when you're holding something against God. It's really hard to give him praise when you're ticked off at him. Right? And so, this blessing from God is righteousness. It's favor. It's the gift of life. It's peace with God. And it's the praise of God. It gives us the ability even to worship. So if unity is that beautiful, that holy, and that important to God, and a precursor to blessing, then I get to ask the obvious and hard question. What hinders unity? And we could take another 20 minutes and we could talk about what hinders unity out there. But I don't do it that way. <laughs> we got to talk about what hinders unity in here. What hinders unity in you? What hinders unity in me? If unity is this blessed, this beautiful, this desired by God, that he would command a blessing, gifts of his presence wherever he sees it, then why would we ever want to hinder that? And yet we do. What is it that hinders blessing? Uh, unity. The things that came to my mind pretty quickly, probably because I've experienced all of them, unforgiveness, bitterness, judgment, and essentially any kind of prejudice. Those are things that hinder unity. Can you imagine the people of God on their way to Jerusalem to worship and a couple of tribal leaders are talking to each other or a couple of family members? And, you know, they're singing happy songs. Yay, we're going to go worship. It's going to be awesome. And then all of a sudden, somebody hurts somebody else and a bitter wound is there and it's held on to and it's not dealt with and unforgiveness comes into the camp. Bitterness comes into the camp. Our tribe's better than your tribe. Judgment comes into the camp. Well, we're sort of a superior tribe to you for various reasons. Prejudice comes into the camp. And all of a sudden, unity is obliterated. It's the first day of Rosh Hashanah. It's the, it's the month before this, the month of Elul. You, John, you can help me with my wordings here. Yell them out if you want. The month of Elul become, coming before Rosh Hashanah which is a time when many Jews would take the whole month to, to just be before God, to let God search their hearts, to see if there was anything in them where, where uh, they were not right with others or they were not right with God. They would take this time to make amends for past wrongs and turn themselves wholeheartedly to God. That's today. Also known as uh, Yom Teruah, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Trumpets. The word teruah means to shout or to make a loud noise. So this holiday is normally marked by the blowing of the shofar, or the ram's horn. Rosh Hashanah begins a 10-day period leading to the holiest day of the year for the Jews, the Day of Atonement. So the shofar, the shofar when people hear the shofar, it's a wake-up call. It's a sign the Day of Atonement is coming. Prepare your heart. Repent. Turn from sin. Make amends to anyone that you've hurt. If you've made a vow to God and not kept it, now's the time to repent. Come back to God. The shofar 
is a wake-up call. It's a call to repentance and to turn back to God. So the sound of the shofar for the Jew was this call to examine your life. Is there anything between me and my neighbor? Is there anything between me and my God? That's what the sound of the shofar was for. A time to ask for forgiveness. So here's the question. On this Rosh Hashanah, on this day when we're talking about unity, the blessing of unity and what hinders unity, I just want to take a few minutes and ask a real, honest, serious question. Or maybe ask you to ask the question. Holy Spirit, is there anything in me that's hindering unity? Is there anything inside here that's hindering unity? Now, warning, don't go into your soul by yourself. It's dangerous in there, all right? Bill Johnson says a person never went into themselves and came out encouraged without the Holy Spirit. So you ask, Holy Spirit, is there anything in my life that's hindering unity? Holy Spirit, is there any unforgiveness? Holy Spirit, is there any judgment? Just, just be honest, judgment against myself, judgment against a spouse, a child, a parent, a leader, judgment against God himself. Is there any bitterness? Bitterness is just unforgiveness steeping for 30 years. Any place where I have chosen not to accept a brother or a sister in Christ for any reason. I'm going to read two scriptures from the New Testament. Romans 15, 7. These are not suggestions. These are commands inspired by the Holy Spirit for the people of God. Accept one another. Romans 15, 7. Accept one another. Then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Colossians 3, verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. I just want to read that again. Bear with each other. Meaning that some people seem to us as unbearable. And so the apostle says, here's what I want you to do. The power of the Holy Spirit, bear with one another. Put up with it. Now, there are a lot of things I'm not saying there. I'm not talking about abusive situations. So let's not go that. But for the, for the little things that get between us, bear with one another, Paul says, and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. I just remind you that the way the Lord forgave you was before you had even repented. Forgiveness available to you on the cross before you turned to him. You, it didn't actuate in you until you turned, but it was there. The work had already been done. The cross was over. The work was complete. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God's blessing reigns where we give ourselves to one another wholeheartedly, forgiving, bearing, accepting, and loving. So, John, can I ask you to come forward? Um, because John has a shofar handy. I just thought we may as well, we may as well go for it, right? 
So what I'd like you to do is just, you can close your eyes. I'm warning you so you won't be afraid. Close your eyes or get in whatever posture, and I want you to just be asking the Holy Spirit. As I hear this wake-up call, Holy Spirit, is there anything in me that hinders unity? Because it's, it's a day to repent. It's a day to receive cleansing and healing again. It's a day to forge unity rather than division. So I'm going to let you pray, and John, have at it. Let's just take a minute and just pray. Let's ask him what God wants to do in our midst here. I want to encourage you to just let um, the Holy Spirit minister to you. You know, there's. I had some more things to say about the next psalm and uh, and worship, um, but I just feel like this invitation is maybe a bit too serious for us to just run past. This invitation to um, to confess and recognize anything that hinders unity. So I think I'd like us just to go into a time of ministry. Um, I wonder if we can just take this passage, Psalm 133, and take this um, wake-up call of the shofar, something that's so odd to our ears. I wonder if we can take it as a wake-up call to our souls. If um, we would be willing, again, not for condemnation, but for the sake of an invitation into a new way to live in unity, if we need to drop some judgments today, if we need to let go of some bitterness if we need to forgive as God in Christ has forgiven us. So here's what I'd like to ask. Um, If right now you recognize that you do have a hindrance to unity in your life, this is hard. This wasn't planned. I'm not saying this is easy, but I'm going to ask you to stand up. If you recognize I have that, There's something in me that I need to give to God. I would just ask you to stand. I won't call your name. I won't make you make a sign about what it's about. 
Just if the Lord, you sense the Lord saying to you this day, you've got some hindrances to unity and you want to you wanna be rid of them. I just had a sense that maybe there are some here who know and recognize they have a, like a root of bitterness and unforgiveness. You see it, and it just feels really overwhelming. And the temptation is to just want to run away or ignore it. But I felt like the encouraging word was that God would never ask us to do anything that we couldn't do with the power of his Holy Spirit. He wants freedom for you, and he wants you to experience this blessing that Randy is talking about. And so I just wanted to encourage you with that, to not run away or look away or ignore it, but to come to the Father, and he's, he has solutions every problem that we face. So, Thanks. I want you to remain standing, if you don't mind. I want, to, I want you to just keep standing. We're just going to pray. We're just going to go for it. If, if somebody's standing close to you and you want to pray for them, you don't have to ask what it's about. You could just uh, reach out your hand towards them and, and pray for them. Uh, but let's take some time now and corporately and then individually get rid of some baggage that's hindering our unity. So Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are present here. And I want to say before I start to pray, I'm standing. <laughs> I'm standing. Because I've, I've got some judgment to get rid of. So Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're present. You are present among us, in us, surrounding us. And I thank you for each person here. Your beloved God, your beloved, people for whom Jesus bled and died, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for each of these, brought forgiveness, brought acceptance, brought healing, brought redemption. Now, Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and lead us in repentance. Lead us in repentance. If, if, it's, if it's judgment, you get to give that judgment to God. Say, I, I, I let go of that judgment. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. If it's forgiveness, you get to recognize how you were hurt and pronounce forgiveness in the name of Jesus to that person, not based upon their asking for forgiveness, but based upon the blood of Jesus. If it's bitterness, that's soiling your soul for years and years and years. You get to let the, the, the wine and the oil of the Holy Spirit come and, and flush that out. You get to say, God, they owe me nothing. If it's judgment against God or yourself, repent of judging the one who made you. 
if it's judgment against yourself, you get to repent of judging the one God made for being who God made you to be. time. We're not in any hurry. The Holy Spirit is uh, literally breaking chains, setting people free. those judgments or that bitterness, that unforgiveness away, even as you give it away, I would ask you to be bold. Say, Lord, what do you want to give me in place of this? Sometimes I have that question, God, what will, what will power me if I don't have my fear and judgment? And the Lord says, my love and your acceptance. So ask the Lord for an exchange this morning. Spirit, as, as work is being done, as you're doing the work, God, I ask that you would fill each of these, your people, with, with yourself. Holy Spirit, come and fill them. All the places that now seem empty without that, I ask that you fill them. Where there was sadness, God, bring joy. Where there was judgment, bring love. Where there was bitterness, would you, God, bring sweetness? Where there were eyes that could only see despair, God, would you open up eyes to see hope? Let's all stand. God, thank you for being in our midst. Thank you for your word and your works. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you are in our lives. It just occurred to me that there might be one or two or some here um, who don't know God personally and you feel unforgiven because you've not known the blood of Jesus to cleanse your sins. You feel the judgment of God because you're under the judgment of God. And the Lord invites you this morning, I think, if that's you, to give your life to Jesus. To trade your sin and your sadness and your sorrow for the salvation that comes from, through him and him alone. If you came with someone and that's where you are, would you turn to them and say, I think I need to meet Jesus today. And they'll pray for you. If you want to talk to me or anyone else on staff here, we'd love to talk to you and just pray for you. That anything that would hinder your communion with God, your unity and your worship would be cleared by the blood of Jesus. So God, we give ourselves to you this day. We look to you. We ask for the gift, the grace, and the faith for unity. We ask that we would be good stewards of the blessing that you command in its place. Life. 
life abundant, life evermore, in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you, uh, if I can have the ministry team come forward, if you'd like someone to pray for you or you need to go further into that, uh, any of those things we talked about, the ministry team will come and we would love to pray for you. Now you get to go out and give the gift of unity into the world. So go in peace and give away the good news.